you can put a period at the end of your life sentence right now, or you can put a semicolon. Mm. And I think God is always trying to get us to put a semicolon. Yeah, this chapter might be over, the season might be over, the relationship might be over, the job might be over, but your life isn't over. And you have more to your story and you are the author of your story. You're, the pen is in your hand. So stop allowing circumstances, stop allowing comparisons, stop allowing whatever it is to take the pen and write your story. Like gain your power back, grab that pen and write it. I'm Doug Bobst, personal trainer, best-selling author, and entrepreneur, and I'm on a mission to help others become the best version of themselves. So I'd like to welcome you to the Adversity Advantage Podcast, where we will help you use obstacles, failures, and setbacks to give you that edge needed for success. I'll be interviewing people from all walks of life on how they overcame trials and turned them into triumphs. So please, sit back, relax, and get ready to be absolutely blown away by some of the wisdom and stories you're about to hear. Welcome back to another episode of the Adversity Advantage. I'm your host, Doug Bobst, and today on the show, I have one of the most inspirational and motivational people on the planet. I have Trent Shelton on, who is a former NFL wide receiver. He's a podcast host, best-selling author, and motivational speaker. He's one of the most impactful thought leaders of this generation. He reaches over 60 million people weekly uh, through his content, hard-hitting videos, And for those of you who don't know, a lot of his advice he shares has come from him having to rehab his own life um, when he stopped playing football in the NFL, which you will learn more about as Trent shares his story. He gives some real-time advice on how to turn your biggest setback into a greater comeback and so much more. So the Adversity Advantage podcast welcomes Trent Shelton. Trent, man, thank you so much for hopping on. Thanks for having me, brother. I appreciate you sharing your platform with me, man. Yeah. And, you know, everybody kind of sees you now and you're the, one of the most inspirational, motivational, yet humble people there is, you know, millions of followers, you know, written two books, just all about like helping people become their best self. But I, what I love about it most is there's a story behind it. And I posted a quote today that said, your, your past can either be your prison or your purpose. And I know that you and I share very similar, you know, values on that because you're all about turning pain into purpose. So you know, walk the audience through a little bit about your your journey and how, you know, you turn your darkest moment into being able to be a beacon of light for millions and millions of people. Yeah, man. So um, I always tell people the best way to, best way to relate to this, because some people might not relate to sports, but the best way to relate to this is picture your, your everything, your dream as a kid, um, the thing that you want to do or be, or the things you actually had in your life. And so my everything was sports. My everything was, I mean, since I was four or five years old, you know, baseball, basketball, football, track, all the way up to high school where I still played basketball, football, and track and let baseball go, which I probably should have. But um, that was my life. That was my identity. That was my significance. And blessed enough, I was able to, you know, be an outstanding athlete in Texas, go to Baylor University on a full scholarship. My career at Baylor went great. All Big 12, you know, and had a chance to get drafted. And in my senior year, you know, um, that was the picture that was painted, especially from my uncle. My uncle coaches in the NFL right now. They coach over 20, 30 years. Mm. And he's like, hey, man, you have a good chance of going fourth or fifth round. And so I was excited. And uh, to make a long story short, it didn't happen. So draft day, I was waiting, you know, second day at that time. And my name wasn't getting called. And that's like the first moment in my life where I felt like, man, like, you know, I felt like I wasn't in control. I felt like that I wasn't enough. I started to question my worth and question just, as an athlete, and just as people in general, entrepreneurs, we often, you know, we often value our worth uh, based upon performance, right? Mm. Uh, it's always performance-based. And like, okay, if I didn't have this many yards, or I'm not running this fast, I must not be good enough. 
And, um, you know, that lasted for a short while because I got a call. This is how the process works. If you're a high-priority free agent, meaning that somebody wanted to draft you but they didn't, your phone's ringing off the hook. So it's like all these – it's like a big war. All these teams are calling me, you know, the Cowboys, the, the Colts, the Reds, all these teams. And mm-hmm. my uncle advised me and said, hey, like, go with the Colts. Don't go with the team that offers you the most money. Go to a place where I know they're going to give you a first shake. And so at that time it was Coach Dungeon. They just won the Super Bowl. So I was like, cool, let me go. And I signed an undrafted free agent deal, uh, which was a very small signing bonus. I mean, probably a few thousand dollars. And I had to work my way up. The hard thing about it was there were two drafted receivers in front of me. And so at the end of the day, NFL is a business, right? If you're paying somebody a million plus dollars as a signing bonus, a first round pick, you're paying a fifth round pick some money, you're going to give them all the chance in the world, right, to – to, to, to showcase our opportunity because it's money invested. Mm. So that year, uh, my rookie year, I ended up having the greatest preseason uh, or the best preseason out of all rookie receivers. Mm. So like I was crushing it. I was, I was actually starting on special teams. So I'm, like, I'm going to make the team. Make a long story short, I ended up getting cut. They bring me in. They say, hey, you know, we want to develop you. We have a lot of receivers, Marvin, Reggie, all these guys. Mm. It's draft. We want to develop you. And this is going to be a good chance in the season somebody's going to get hurt and you're going to be ready. So that's what happened. Uh, I got signed uh, on the practice squad. So I went ahead and, like, bought a car. I went ahead and, like, got my apartment. All these things I got. And um, within three weeks, I got a call. It's, we call it Terrible Tuesday, which mm. now I know what Terrible Tuesday is. At that time, I didn't know. I just thought Tuesday was our off day. And um, it's a call from the 317 and they told me to come in. I'm like, okay, they must want to give me something. <laughs> so I'm like coming in there smiling and they're like, bring your playbook. I was like, oh, maybe they're adding another install. I was totally oblivious. Make a, make a long story, I guess even longer, is they wanted my playbook because they released me. Mm-hmm. And uh, so I drive back to Texas, which is a long drive after you get cut, like 14 hours. And I'm here for a week and I start to shelter myself. Uh, I didn't want to go out because if I'm out in the city, people are going to know it's September. Why are you here? You're supposed mm-hmm. to be an indie. So I showed to myself in my parents' house, and I was teaching myself really to suppress. And anything you suppress will turn into depression. And two weeks later, I get called back. And that's like the story of my whole career, right? I'm gone. I'm back home. I'm back there, very unstable. And it's 2008 was my breaking point, being in Seattle. And I just didn't care anymore. I didn't even want to live anymore. The only thing that kept me going was a three-month-old son mm-hmm. at the time, Tristan that I knew I had to keep living for because he needed his father in his life. And that's kind of what led to rehab time in a short version. That's amazing, man. I feel like, you know, sometimes when we hit those moments, we think we're down and out and it's over. And we have those thoughts of, you know, what's going to happen, what's going to transpire. And I know for me, like when I was incarcerated, I felt the same thing. It was like my rock bottom moment was like, how am I going to get out of here? You know, I was 50 pounds overweight. I was, you know, at the time I had just gone into jail. I was addicted to drugs before I went in and was selling drugs. Like, how am I going to, to make it? And for, for what really helped me was, was fitness. And that was something that propelled me to kind of get in, into a different state of mind. I know fitness has been big for you. I, I mean, fitness teaches you discipline, commitment, gets you comfortable being uncomfortable, all the things I know you talk about. And, you know, three words that like run my life these days are faith, family, and fitness, faith in God, faith in myself, family, who brings the best out of me. It's not always blood. It's whoever like challenges, supports, and loves me unconditionally in fitness, staying mentally, physically, and spiritually fit. And I know those three words are important to you too. So talk a bit about those words in your context and how they helped you kind of like 
you know, not only start rehab time, but, you know, kind of catapult your way into the success you've had today? Yeah, man. You know, starting with faith, faith is the rock. I mean, I, I was just talking about this other day on Facebook live and I was just, I was running and I just had this thought how a lot of times we undervalue faith and faith is everything. Like literally, you know, whether it's a spiritual relationship for you with faith or just the word in general, like we are human beings. We operate off of faith. None of us knows what's going to happen a week from now. Like none of us could have planned 2020, right? We just know and we hope that if we do the right things and we show up the right way, this is going to happen. And so I realized like faith, I have to strengthen it. I have to be able to see the unseen. I have to be able to believe that there's something that's going to happen for my life. As I like to put it, there's a door that's going to open for my life that didn't exist yet. And so when I was at my rock bottom, that's what carried me through my relationship and my, my relationship with God and my faith and rock bottom changed my life. Like literally people saying, you know, you know, happiness and positivity, those things are great. But I feel like so many times we are searching for that so much. So we, if we feel like we're not happy or we feel like we don't have everything going right, our life is going wrong. Rehab time was built. It wasn't built off of happiness. It was built off of pain, off of struggle, off of depression, off of suicidal thoughts. And it was just at rock bottom, I found myself to actually change my life. So faith is everything, man. Faith is the thing that carries me through, uh, the thing that pushes me through. When it comes to family, as you said, it's not just always blood, but family is my accountability. Family is who I do it for, you know, uh, especially my, even my immediate family. The thing that I love to say is that I don't want to be successful to the world and unsuccessful to my family. It doesn't matter if people say, oh, I love Trent Shelton, but my kids are like, I don't love my father or my father is not here. Or, you know, one of my biggest joys is being able to coach my son's football team. Like, that's my biggest joy. I would rather do that than go speak on the stage in front of 5,000 people, you know, because I know the seeds that I'm planting in my family's life will not just affect this generation, but also future generations. And so family is the glue that holds me together. And then fitness, fitness is everything for me. You know, it's been a part of my life since I was like five years old, obviously with sports, but now even just moving my body, I always say moving influences mood. I actually told this to Tristan right before I got on here. I said, most people in this world, 99% of these people in this world, they depend on motivation to move, right? Mm -hmm. They don't move until they're motivated. They don't start something until they're motivated. I said a rare breed, a person that's the 1%, a legendary person, they know that I need to move to create the motivation. And so for me, fitness is that for me. It's my release uh, from stress. It's my, it's my mental, it builds up my mental toughness. All of these things that really carry me through, not just how I look, but also internally that is the biggest benefit that helps me with the mindset, the championship mindset that I have to be able to conquer through hard times, to be able to conquer through business, to be able to conquer and take my life to the next level. Yeah, you hit the nail on the head and I couldn't have said it better myself. I mean, everybody in, in dark times, like I said be, before, they think, you know, this is it, but you have a choice. Are you going to be that person that lets your pain and your choices, you know, move you in a worse position when you hit adversity? You're going to be that person that, you know, sucks it up and says, you know what, like right now, times are tough. This sucks. I honestly don't even really like myself right now, but I'm going to do whatever I can to ensure myself that I'm a better version of myself in two, three, four, five years from now than I am today and doing whatever it takes. Because, you know, there's two options. You can either, it sucks, you know, not making these tough decisions. It sucks to have regret in life and be like, I wish I would have changed. It also sucks to continue to sit in that pain and be around people you shouldn't be around, doing things you shouldn't be doing and not living your purpose. And I know for you, I've heard you talk so much about, which I 
hundred percent agree with about environment and the, your mm-hmm. inner circle and how, you know, everybody who's in your circle might not be in your corner. And you had to let go of friends, which for me was one of the toughest things I ever had to do was let go of old friends that aren't bad people. I still keep in touch with some, but they just weren't going where I was going. I lost common interests and I just, I, I grew in a different direction. So talk a bit about like the process you went through. And if somebody's listening and they're kind of struggling to decide if they, somebody should stay in their life, like how you can kind of do that. Yeah. You know, it's tough. Like you mm-hmm. said, it's tough to let go of relationships and friendships. I'm always saying, you know, it's easy to remove people from your life that you know are toxic, you know, like that, yeah, you yeah. know, it's a lot. I say, I shouldn't say easy, but it's easier. Mm. But it's hard when it's good people. But you have to understand this. Just because they're a good person doesn't mean they're good for you. Mm. And that's something I had to realize in my life. And I had to ask myself this magic question, right? Mindsets are contagious. Do I want to catch the mindset that, that, that they have, that, that, that my friend has, that the person that's in my environment has, uh, that my, you know, my partner has? Like, do I want to catch the mindset? If the mind, if I say no, then I have to do the work to remove myself from that environment, no matter how difficult, no matter how hard it may be. So to the people listening to this, one of the easiest exercises to do is to look at every relationship. And you can do this with habits, you can do this with you know people, just every relationship. Look at it, look at it as a bridge, right? And ask yourself, where is this bridge leading me to? Right? Is this bridge leading me to a greater version of myself? Is it leading me to, you know, better in my life? Is it holding me accountable? Or is it leading me to a lesser version of myself? And if your answer is a lesser version of yourself, you have to burn that bridge. And I know it's like taboo to say that, right? Don't burn bridges. I agree, right? To an extent, there's, you shouldn't burn bridges over small misunderstandings or anything like that. But there are certain bridges you have to burn because there are certain things your life cannot afford to go back to, like period. And so I knew that if I was in that environment around certain people, I didn't have the strength to be able to have the self-control. So I knew I could not place myself here. And it was hard. Some friends turned their back. Some friends said certain things. But you know what's funny about it, Doug? Like some, a lot of the, a lot, maybe not all, but probably 80% of my friends that I said, hey, I'm moving on with my life. And the conversation was this, like, it's nothing wrong with you. It's nothing that you're doing necessarily, but this is where I'm going. I got a son now. Like, this is where I'm taking my life. I refuse to settle anymore. So you have a choice. You can go with me or you get left behind. But I promise you, I'm not putting pause on my life for anybody because I refuse to look back when I'm 80 years old and realize I lived my whole entire life settling because I was trying to make people comfortable. I don't want to live life like that. I mean, that's the number one regret. Look it up. You know, the number one regret is people, when they're about to die, they really wish that they lived their life more for themselves. Like, did the things that they wanted to do. and that. That puts a lot of fear in my heart. I don't want to get to 80 years old and realize like, dang, like I wasted all of my life because I was afraid to have a conversation or I was afraid to make a decision or a choice. And so that's helped me be able to move forward. And a lot of those friends now, you know, whether it's five years ago or, or one month ago, they're hitting me up and say, Trent, like I didn't get what you were doing then, but I understand it because now they have kids or now they're more mature. And now they're asking me questions about how can I better my life? And so sometimes it takes you being the leader to step away from that environment, to create a new environment, not just to benefit yourself, but to benefit also those people when they're ready to change. Yeah. And I think that's the, the toughest thing is, is knowing that, you know, not becoming codependent on their decision and what they think of you because it's your life and we only get one. And in, if somebody's not bringing the best out on you and they're 
they, your interests change and they're not supporting what you're doing, they're going to hold you back and you're going to yeah. end up living for somebody else. And when you end up living for somebody else, you don't end up living for yourself, which at the end of the day is what we all want anyway. We all want to be happy, fulfilled, successful, whether people want to admit it or not, everybody wants that, right? But I think so many yeah. people are scared. And in your book straight up, which by the way, was amazing. I know it's geared more towards like, I think it's like the eight, like the 18 to 25 range. I think I've heard you say something like that, but I mean, I'm 32. I read it and the lessons in there, not only are they game changing, they're so easily applicable and like, it's like straight up like this. Like when you hear straight yeah. up and then someone tells you like a piece of advice, you better listen, right? <laughs> One of the things that really hit home with me is you're never going to win life's war by running from life's battles or something along those lines. Why do you think so many people will like run from their pain and their problems? Because, you know, and, and that's a part of the rehab process, right? I have a three-part process of rehab time. And the first one is reality. Mm -hmm. And um, it's so hard to face your reality because, you know, for whatever reason, you know, maybe it's you got to have a hard conversation. Sometimes we want to stay blind to what we actually see because, you know, we don't want to go through that emotional pain, that emotional journey. So we'd rather just sweep it under the rug as if it mm -hmm. doesn't exist than actually deal with it. But we all know the truth. No matter what you hide, whether it's from social media or whether it's from people around you, you're never going to hide it from yourself. You're always going to have to deal with it. You're always, it's always going to be uh, controlling your internal self. And I like to say you put yourself in an invisible prison, right? Uh, it's like being, you're like in a prison without being behind bars. And so the quote, you'll never win your war by running from your battles is that a lot of times, right, our war is, you know, whatever it is, like maybe it's. You want to be, you know, some type of entrepreneur, right? You want to do this. You want to do that. That's the big picture. But oftentimes, we don't want to take care of the small things we need to take care of. Like, I can say I want to be an NFL football player, right? But if I know that I'm lazy, if I know that I don't have the discipline and I'm ignoring that, I'm never going to win that war by running from those battles. And so you can apply that to anything in your life. Like, once you face it, then you will find the courage and the strength to be able to fix it. And, but I'll tell you this, you'll never be able to fix what you're not, what you're not willing to face. And um, I've always realized in my life that the things that, that were hard to, to face ended up being the things that were most rewarding once I did it. It freed mm -hmm. me. You know, even if it was a conversation with somebody that I didn't want to have, because I'm not a confrontational person like I try to avoid confrontation like it does something to my spirit having to do it but I don't want to live with that I would rather deal with it and deal with the consequences that come with it and get on the other side of it and so you're never going to get to the other side you know if you're not willing to go through it and face the things that need to be faced yeah because so many people push their pain away and they push the, the adversity to the side thinking that that's going to get rid of it but wherever you go there you are it comes with you no matter what in the next relationship in the next job um, you know, where, wherever you go and people aren't patient enough to see the blessings in the storms. They're not patient enough to see the joy that comes because you develop strength, you develop courage, you develop wisdom, new people come in your life that are walking alongside you that you never would have had, um, had you have pushed that away. And I think at the end of the day, it's like the people who have the courage and the audacity to kind of sit in that pain and get through it can not only help themselves, um, but they can help others. And one of the things that you're so amazing at is being authentic and sharing your story. And I know it was really healing for you when you started rehab time to just share. Talk about like what that did for you as far as being able to share your message and helping others, being of service and how that kind of, you know, inspired your transformation as well. 
Yeah, you know, your transparency leads to your transformation. Mm. Uh, something that I preach often, your transparency leads to other people's transformation. And the thing, even to this day, even to this day, because I believe that we're all on a lifelong journey of healing. Like, I don't know if we ever get to the point where we're healed, you know, right. completely. I think we're on a lifelong journey. And every single time, even moments like this, right, having a, a podcast episode to be able to talk to somebody about my story, it still blows my mind. Because I vividly remember 2008, 2009, like not knowing where my life was going to be. We just came back from Seattle and I had a moment there where I'm like, man, like I'm actually in the same place where I didn't mind ending my life in Lake Washington. Mm -hmm. Like, and I'm here now, my life has completely changed. And so the reason I say all of that is that when you go serve and you give your story right? Or you give the things you learn from your story and someone else benefits from it. It brings healing to your soul because you start to realize like, wait a minute, dang, I didn't just go through that for no reason. There was a greater purpose than the pain I was experiencing because we often think purpose is just for us, but no purpose is to use our life, our story, our experiences to help other people. You know, it, it qualifies you. And so I wouldn't be able to do what I do if it wasn't for the things that I went through, right? I'm an expert or whatever people will say. No, I just been through a lot of stuff. I've dealt with a lot of stuff. And I say, you know what? I'm not going to keep this for me and be selfish. I'm going to give this to the world to make sure somebody else doesn't make the same mistake. Or if they're in this situation, they can know that they can put a semicolon instead of a period. Their life isn't over. Maybe that chapter is over, but something else is beginning. So if somebody's listening to this right now, I want to say this because I know we struggle with depression. I know right now, mental health, everything, right? It's all time stress, anxiety, all these things are happening more than ever in 2020. One of the things that I do when I'm going through these moments, and it kind of relates to what we've been talking about, is at times when I, and I'm going to be transparent, there's times where I feel like this, where I feel like, man, I'm not doing enough, man. Like, I'm not feeling valuable. You know, I, it just, it's a mind thing, you know, and when I'm feeling like that, this is what I do. I go serve mm. because as soon as I serve, whether it be me going into my DMs, whether it be going on live, I'm going to get a message that says, Trent, suck your book, your video, your words have helped me. You might say, what does that have to do with anything? Well, if you don't feel valuable, there's no way people can get value from your life, right? You cannot give what you don't have. And as soon as someone gets value from your story, that should, that should verify to you that you have value inside of you. And so every time I'm feeling like that, I go serve and it changes my mind state just like that. Gosh, man, it gave me goosebumps, gave me the chills because, you know, it's funny. I mean, there's so many parallels in our story. Like I said, before we hopped on 2008, 2009 was when I was at rock bottom. That's when I was incarcerated. Uh, I went in in October of 2008 and got out the day after Christmas of 2000, 2008 when I was in there. You know, I couldn't do a push up for my knees, couldn't do one for my feet. And my cellmate, you know, trained me in there. But, you know, the only uh, thing he asked was just for me to be consistent and show up every day, which I did, thankfully. And I was able to ascend 10 push ups and run a mile by the time I left. And it completely shifted my mindset. And it, it, I felt like I had purpose in my life. I felt like I had, there was purpose in the pain. And I remember saying to him, and you'll understand where I'm going with this, I said, How can I ever repay you? And he's like, Don't mess up and pay it forward. And I was, I didn't know what pay it forward meant. You know, I just literally only been in jail for a few months and been off drugs for, you know, barely, I mean, not even 90 days. And he 
was just like, just pay it forward. Gave me a workout routine that I still have framed in my place. Um, so I never forget where I came from. And then I became on a mission to share my story once I lost weight, once I started to get a job as a personal trainer, because I was like, wow, like there's so much empowerment and sharing. And then like, there's a lot of, when you own your past and you're not ashamed of it, it takes the power away from your mistakes because you're like, wow, like I'm able to take all these things that I am not proud of. I'm not proud of the people I manipulated. I'm not proud of selling drugs. I'm not proud of any of that. I'm proud of what it gave me. It gave me purpose. It gave me hope. It gave me a platform to share my message so that other people don't have to go like through what I went through. And there's a lot of people right now, they're in a bad chapter of their life, whether it was affected by the pandemic, whether they're addicted to drugs, whether they just got out of, you know, a bad relationship. What advice do you give somebody when they're kind of like, you know what, like, how am I going to get out of this, this hole and get to somewhere where I'm actually like happy with who I am? We will get you back to this episode of the Adversity Advantage in just one second. But first, wanted to give a quick shout out to Danette May and Earth Echo Foods. Danette was a past guest on the podcast and shared her incredible story and how it inspired her to create her products such as Cacao Bliss, which I take every day, either in my coffee or in a smoothie. It starts with 100% organic cacao beans that are naturally kissed by the sun, maintaining its miraculous health benefits. Then it's blended with turmeric, MCT oil, coconut, Himalayan sea salt, cinnamon, and black pepper for the perfect blend to make you feel the best you ever have. The result? Fall in love with a truly decadent, healthy, guilt-free chocolate, removing your cravings, facilitating weight loss, boosting your energy, and reducing your inflammation with one simple drink. Not only that, it is friendly to keto, gluten-free, paleo, vegan, and vegetarian diets. So go to earthechofoods.com forward slash Doug Bobst. Again, earthechofoods.com forward slash Doug Bobst. Check it out for yourself and learn more about the amazing benefits of Cacao Bliss. And when you enter in the promo code Doug at checkout, you'll get 15% off. Now back to the show. Yeah, so the first thing that comes to my mind, if you're in a situation where you feel like, you know, tomorrow, you know, people say give tomorrow a shot, and you feel like, man, I've gave a lot of tomorrow's chances, and every single day is just feel like it's filled with more pain. I'm going to tell you this. Oftentimes, we're focusing on the wrong things, right? Oftentimes, we're focusing on ourselves, And when we focus on ourself and we, fo- and we keep ourselves isolated, then we oftentimes feel like, you know, there's nothing more to our life. So when I was at my rock bottom, one of the things that really helped me was realizing that my pain wasn't special because I thought my pain was special. I thought it was just for me. And when I started to research and talk to people and ask for help, I started to realize like, wait, there's so many other people that's been through worse than me. There's so many people literally that would be praying to be in my shoes. The things that I'm complaining about, they would be praying to be here. So I changed my mindset and I found, and as crazy as it sounds, I know my list was like, Trent, how can I find appreciation at my rock bottom? I found appreciation for my life. I found appreciation for everything because I knew with faith, I had to tap into my faith that something greater was going to come because of this. Whether it was my plans, which it wasn't, or it was God's plans for my life, something greater was going to become, uh, was going to come because of this. And I just focused on what I could control. I said, okay. I want to get 1% better today. 1%. I'm not trying to make some major change. And that's the thing oftentimes, Doug. We want to, like, these major things to happen in our life. And let's be honest. Major changes don't always happen by doing major things, right? Mm -hmm. It's oftentimes the small things that we can fix. The little bitty tweaks that end up making major changes for our life. And so I ask myself, what's in my control? Like, because 
you can't control something that's out of your control. We often live there, right? We often live in the things we can't control. We can't do anything about. But what's in my control? And mine was, okay, mind, body, and soul. The simplest things. I started to read, right? I started to read. And I wasn't a reader at all. I hated reading. I started to read because I knew in order to obtain knowledge I didn't have, I had to pick up a book or listen to a book these days. The second thing is I knew I had to dive deeper in my faith. I was like, if I'm going to find a way to get through this storm, I have to strengthen my faith. So I got into my word. And the third thing was fitness, right? The body part. I say, you know what? I know that if I could take myself to another level in any area of my life, I can prove to myself that I'm capable to do it, right? To show myself that it's possible. So for you watching this or listening to this, just show yourself it's possible. I don't care what it is that you do. Just show yourself that it's possible because when you build the, as I like to call it, the possibility muscle, it becomes contagious and it starts to go down a, uh, a stream of like, okay, I've done this. Then let me do this. Let me do this. And you look back five years later, five months later and realize, like, wait a minute, I've accomplished a lot even at my rock bottom. And so for me, it was really just taking responsibility over my life and saying, it all starts with you. Either this is going to be the end of your life or it's going to be the end of your chapter. You choose. And uh, that just fired me up, man, to focus on the small things I can control. And it changed my life. Gosh, yeah. I mean, everybody needs to hear that. And it doesn't matter what you're going through because it's such great advice that can not only will get you through adversity you're going through now, but if you face anything in the future. And I think what happens is we end up focusing so much on what we can't control that we lose sight of what we can control. And we're looking at like, you know, whether somebody's going to like us or, you know, whether we're going to get that job or whether we're going to get the interview or whatever it is that we can't control. And we lose sight of our fitness and, you know, people that are close to us that matter and, you know, our ability to read and prayer and all those things. And, you know, some of your videos go completely viral and get hundreds of millions of views, including, you know, the one, um, I think it was with Annie, right? About not everyone's your friend. And then you had the, the one with Tristan about how to, to heal, his, or heal his life with five things. It was, I believe, like commitment, uh, discipline, consistency, faith, and heart. Do, do those videos for you, do you get more goosebumps like doing those because it involves somebody close to you? Absolutely. You know, Annie is my sister-in-law. So, yeah. you know, a lot of people don't know that, but that's my sister-in-law. And the videos that we do, obviously they're not in real time, but they're real yeah. situations. Mm. And um, it's things that, you know, we've had conversations about. So I'm always asking like, hey, let's bring this to the world because there are a lot of people that's probably going through the same thing. And then with Tristan, you know, being able to, you know, help teach him in real time and share it and also have another kid see it and be like, man, and like, ah, just the the feedback I get, like, I'm gonna be just totally real. Like my most like proudest, that's even the word, feedback that I get from my content is when a parent says, my child, my daughter wasn't into any of this stuff. Like mm -hmm. they didn't want to hear anything. They were, they were hurting. They were dealing with things at school, but they watch those videos and it's really helped their life. Like I love adults. I love inspiring adults, obviously, but when you can touch the youth, that's when you can change the future. So that always hits me in my heart when people say, man, like I needed that video. And um, yeah, those are real moments. You know, it's just not in real time, but we reenact those moments. But those are real moments and real conversations that, you know, whether it's Annie or Tristan or whoever, they dealt with it either during that time we recorded or previously. 
Yeah, I mean, those videos and I'm sure have a special place in your heart because they involve, you know, people that are close to you. And while it might not be, you know, real time, it's like reenacting real life situations. And I, I so relate to when you get parents talking about the kids. I mean, my big thing is that, you know, I've been in recovery now for almost 12 years and I get a lot of parents, like moms who reach out to me about their kids, whether they saw me on a podcast or, you know, it was something I did in other media or read one of my books. And it really touches my heart because I gave my mom like headache after headache from being addicted to drugs when I was a teenager. And now being able to, to pay it back and pay it forward and serve and help these moms talk to their kids or help these kids and mentor them, you know, I get so much joy out of that. And I got to tell you, like, I follow a lot of personal development people. I've seen a lot of people speak and you're by far, you know, up there with the most motivational. Do you ever watch your videos and be like, damn, that was good. Do you ever watch, do you ever like <laughs> go back and be like, gosh, man, I'm fired up. I'm gonna go run through a wall. Man, you know, what's funny is for so long, I never did. Like, yeah. I never watched it. And then like re probably the last year or so, I started to do that. Like I would listen to myself because it would be times that <laughs> I need to listen to my own words. And yeah, yeah, yeah. I would listen and I would be like, like, dang, like, this is like, I get it. Like, this is really touching my heart. And sometimes, you know, when you're in it, it's hard to feel it. I tell people all the time, like when you're in something, it's hard to feel even the magnitude of like, you know, what you're doing and how you're impacting people. And honestly, I believe that's worked best for me because, you know, I never get into the place of like, oh, this many views or this many whatever. Or right, 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 right. It's just hard to feel it. But yeah, man, like to answer your question, there's times I listen to my videos and like, man, I needed that. I need to hear that. Thanks for the reminder, Trent. <laughs> I know. It's funny, man, because it's just whenever I see you post a video and I'm just like everybody else, they're like, man, I'm going to learn something today. I'm going to get a nugget. I probably needed to hear whatever it is that he's saying. And the advice is just, it's so practical and easy. And like, when you, when you read it, it's not like anything that doesn't, it, it, there's no way it can't resonate with anyone just because of the fact that of how real you are with it. And, yeah. and it's, it's how your book is. You have all these lessons in straight up. So talk a bit about the book, like what, yeah. what, what inspired you to write it and what people can get out of it? Yeah, man. So straight up, you know, it's, I, I love the greatest you, um, mm. you know, but if I had to pick a favorite book right now, yeah, yeah, yeah. it's just straight up because, you know, one, what inspired me to write it is I wanted to write a book that was like super tangible. Like I wanted it to feel like, man, like, okay, I can pick it up and I know I'm not going to have to read through a million pages to find <laughs> something. Like I can pick it up. I can read something. I can apply it. I can do an exercise literally within five minutes every single day. And I was thinking about youth when I wrote it. Cause I asked them on my Snapchat at that time. I was like, Hey, would you guys read a book? And they were like, no, unless it was like this. So I said, okay, I have to make it where there's no excuses where even my son Tristan at 11 years old can pick it up and really listen and uh, read it and apply. And it makes sense. And then the other thing was, I just remember growing up, man, like not having people and I had people who kept it real, like my parents, whatever, but just not just having that straight up talk. Like, not the consequences of why you don't do something like even from, you know, having sex before Mary, you know, the, the, the consequences that can come with that, you mm -hmm. know, when you're like, of course, don't do this or don't do drugs, but they don't say like, this is how much it's going to cost you. Right. Even financially, if you do this, or I can cost you a dream. So I wanted to, I needed that in my life. Like just the upfront, straight up talk. And uh, that was, that was the other motivation behind it, man. And when I wrote this book, I wanted it to feel like, as I like to say, video trip, video me. 
like where you felt like I feel like this is a video and some of the content in there is directly from my video. And so I wanted to grab you like that. And I feel like, you know, from the feedback I've gotten that, you know, people are saying that. So I'm pretty proud of it. Yeah, I appreciate how easy it is to digest. Like it's just like a few pages of each chapter and it's not like you said, like a 700 page book and it's got a practical component too. You got the whole like, you know, coach talk rehab time thing at the end of each chapter where you're able to kind of put people through the different exercises from each chapter. And it's broken down into different sections too, which I think makes it easily applicable too, because you're like, all right, here's part one on pain and part of relationships and heart, like all these different things that your purpose and that you're able to kind of like figure out like, okay, like maybe today I want to read the section on purpose. Maybe today I'm really struggling in my relationships. Let's work on that. So, you know, I've heard you talk about like right now, obviously with what you do and speaking and everything that, you know, things have, you've had to pivot a lot and I'm sure just like everything else it's increased, like your, your stress, like what are you doing to kind of keep yourself stable so that you're able to kind of continue to serve and give at the capacity you're doing? Yeah, man. So I am protecting my peace first mm-hmm. and foremost. I love that. So I'm always in nature. I mean, people see it every single day, nature heals and, you know, I'm always on the trails and, you know, that's a big thing for me every single day. You know, of course, I have a rest day where, you know, I rest where I'll just walk, but I have to get out and disconnect and just remind myself and reconnect to my soul. That's what protecting your peace is all about for me. And then um, it's about finding appreciation and everything. It's about looking at this year and saying, okay, I know in my life that it wasn't perfection that created something that was great. It was me going through hard times and obstacles and challenges. And so I've changed my mindset to see this year as an opportunity, not an obstacle or not a negative obstacle, should I say. And so I've been able to already, you know, make certain hires in my, in my company that I wouldn't have made if it wasn't for this. I've been able to step back and kind of reevaluate my content and where I want to go. And, and then too, it's just a beautiful season in my life for, for my family. And I feel like we all have these seasons where, you know, it's been a season where I'm not on the road. I'm able to coach my son's football team, which is a great getaway and escape for me every single day. I'm able to be here with my kids, especially my baby girl, Marley, which, you know, she's she's about to be a year. But I've been able wow. to actually be here and, and spend time. And I'm always conscious of that anyway. But now I'm getting to actually, like, be very, very present, uh, which is totally cool. So I'm just looking at the blessings and everything, man. And I know in 2021, 2030, whatever, I'm going to look back and be like, yeah, 2020 sucked in a way. But it created a lot of great stuff that I'm grateful and thankful. Yeah. I mean, perspective is everything, right? I know you talk a lot about perspective. You can either look at it as a blessing or a curse. You can look at it from all the the time you got to work on yourself, heal yourself, work on your health, spend more time on projects you didn't have time for, you know, save, you know, maybe save some money from not traveling or whatever the case may be, instead of looking at all the bad things that happen, because, you know, there's so much negativity out there and negativity breeds negativity. If you want to go find negative stuff, you'll find it. And it's all about what you read, you know, what you watch, what you listen to. And we have control over that, just like we have control over what we eat. So the last thing I want to ask you is this, is I'm sure you get a lot of people that come up to you when they see you out or even on social media about how inspiring you are. Like, imagine you have, you know, two minutes with somebody who's going through a really dark time. You know, what's the straight up advice you're giving them? Yeah, I'm going to tell them that their life isn't over. I'm going to tell the person that's going through that time that you have a choice, right? You can put a period at the end of your life sentence right now, or you can put a semicolon. Mm. And I think God is always trying to get us to put a semicolon. Yeah, this chapter might be over, the season might be over, the relationship might be over, the job might be over, but your life isn't over. And you have more to your story and you are the author of your story. Your, the pen is in your hand. 
So stop allowing circumstances, stop allowing comparison, stop allowing whatever it is to take the pen and write your story. Like gain your power back, grab that pen and write it. And just know everything is working for your good. Yes, your plans have to fail so the purpose for your life can prevail. Yes, things have to go wrong, quote unquote, so everything can go right. You have to lose certain things to gain better things. And when you operate in a power perspective, when you understand this, and I'll leave with this, when you understand how you see life is how you feel about life, how you feel about life is what you will do with your life, what you do with your life is what you'll get from your life. And when you realize it all breaks down, the root thing is how you're seeing life, either as an opportunity, either as a challenge, either as a blessing, as a gift, as a curse, it's going to filter down to what you get from life. So start seeing everything as power, start seeing everything as appreciation, and start seeing everything as growth, and watch your life change internally. And that's what matters most. Man, amen to that. I mean, I feel like that was just something if I could just capture and just, you know, play it every morning when I wake up, you know, I feel like I'd never have a bad day, you know, and there's so much truth to, to what you just said. And I think so many people, they have a bad chapter in life. They take the pen or pencil and they throw it down the sewer drain. And say, you know what, it's over. And really like everybody loves a comeback story. Everybody loves when they see that person overcome that mountain. They never thought that they could overcome. Everybody loves seeing that person that was doubted and defeated and drained come back and win. And I just, I really appreciate your time today. I know it's valuable. Um, and I just wanted to thank you again. The audience can get a lot out of this. So if they want to find you, it's, I mean, it's at Trent Shelton on Instagram and then TrentShelton.com to your books and everything. And if they want to, you know, potentially reach out to you about speaking and stuff, it's all there, right? Yes, sir. Just any social media site, TikTok, Facebook, Instagram is at Trent Shelton. And, um, you know, uh, and also text message community. So uh, yes. I have that. If you want to reach out and text me, uh, 817-242-2719. And I'm spending a lot of time in there and doing a lot of cool things for that community. Awesome. And you also got what the straight up podcast too, right? <laughs> Yeah, I almost forgot about it. <laughs> oh, yeah, straight up podcast every Wednesday. And uh, yeah, it's just me being straight up. Sweet. So I will make sure to put all that stuff in the show notes. And for those listening, um, you know, this has been one of the greatest episodes that I've done because I've been following Trent for so long and his, his content has inspired me and be, being able to break bread with him and talk to him has been has been a blessing. And I think it's going to be a blessing for y'all too to take his advice. It's so simple uh, yet easily effective and efficient. So if you if you love this episode, all all that we ask is that you share it, screenshot that um, you're listening to this, and um, just let us know what you thought of the episode because we love hearing your feedback. And um, it, again, if you you know this touched your heart, we always appreciate your your review, five star of course if you can. So once again, you're listening to this episode of the Adversity Advantage. I'm your host Doug Bobst, and we will see you next time.